0: Hi welcome to Momentum Church Network this is Scott Powell and today we're looking at chapter 3 of the workbook titled Direction. First let's talk a little about purpose. Before we begin pushing we better have a conversation about direction. So picture our boulder. You have a number of people invested and engaged in moving the church forward and one by one each person steps up to the boulder they lay their hands upon it and they all begin to push but no success. Something is wrong and it has to do with a unified direction. Do you see the problem? Yes, many are working hard, but they are often working against each other as they surround the boulder. You can feel busy and engaged, but without unified direction you will be frustrated at the lack of production. We have heard much about vision these last couple of decades, and rightly so. However, vision is secondary to purpose. Every church that is passionate about carrying out the mission of Christ has the same purpose. It is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's found in Matthew 28, 19, 20, which is our great commission. So this mission entails both evangelism and discipleship. And this discipleship is meant to promote a deep and abiding relationship with Christ and to mobilize God's people in their gifts to reach the lost, serve our neighbors, and edify the body. There is what I call a great commission spectrum that covers the entire process. And it it is uh, from beginning to end, beginning with to evangelize. And then the third one, and I'm jumping, but the third one is to disciple or to teach. Now let's fill in the gaps. Between evangelize and disciple, there are, uh, there are things that we do that give us the right to disciple, and that's called adoption. And once we have discipled people, the last of the process is actually to engage and send them out in their area of ministry. So again, from beginning to end, it'd be evangelize, adopt, disciple and ascend. These are all interdependent and necessary to each other. We evangelize by sharing the good news and inviting people into the community of believers. Then we adopt them into the family of the church. Some churches do this very well while others struggle. Within adoption we move from engaging someone to enjoying them, their gifts and their passions. Discipleship is what the church has focused on for the last century but only in a generic way. We have tended to treat it like a factory production line with a one-size-fits-all approach, but no graduation point. But discipleship is where God does this beautiful work of renewing a believer's mind. God sanctifies us and gives us each new desires and trajectories. And we are given the gifts of worship and prayer and scripture to help us commune with God. And we are also equipped in our gifts to serve, which leads to the last step, which is to send, to engage. We should actually be graduating our students out from being discipled to being disciples. And then we send them out to serve, which provides servants for evangelism, adoption, and discipleship. It's really an amazing thing. So let's talk a little about vision. What is vision? I'm going to define vision as this. Vision is how you're going to achieve your purposes. I have come to realize that there are two types of vision, static and dynamic. Static vision is epitomized by the statement, this is what we do. You might even hear it followed up by always have, always will, or some variant of that. Static vision fixates on function and system. It is a programmed way of conducting church, a machine where you enter an unsaved soul in the front door and expect a born-again dedicated Christian to walk out the exit. But we know that each soul is unique, and a one-size-fits-all approach doesn't work for everyone. A static vision becomes inflexible. So let's talk about dynamic vision. It's epitomized by the statement, this is who we are. So dynamic vision focuses on the people in your church and the community you are currently in. In any church, there is some degree of change happening constantly, some more than others new members, any loss of members, whether due to moving, death, or drifting, and and the hopeful spiritual maturing of individuals, they all create new opportunities, therefore a constant reshaping of the vision. People grow into ministry as much as they are called into it. We should constantly be learning about who God has assembled as our church, their gifts, their experiences, passions, and dreams, and you must learn to be flexible. So we have a continual conversation about vision while we plant ourselves firmly on our purpose. Seeking vision for your church should be a fun and exciting time. It it often begins with the question, what is our thing? Then take a deep look at those in your congregation. Who has God assembled at this time? What are their gifts and what are they ready to do? After that has been accomplished, the church begins to look out at their community. The question then becomes, Why are we here in this community? There is no cookie-cutter program that works the same in each church. Beyond best practices, we should learn from one another, concepts, and best processes. Study your community. Know its needs and its pulse. Your dynamic vision will begin to take form as you move through these two questions. Community. listen. The church is a people business. Our pursuit is to populate heaven by depopulating hell. Our win is the same as the heavenly host, where each one who is lost but is found demands a celebration party. Not once will you read in the scriptures that the heavenly host rejoiced over a treasurer's report or the new carpet in the lobby. Those might be victories in their own rights, but they take second chair to someone's life being turned around and their trajectory set upon their heavenly home. The carpet, paint, new building, etc., those are all tools to help us reach and minister to people. But I like to say people first. People first, their well-being over our comfort and our preferences. Long ago in college, a professor made a profound statement. He said, if after a number of years in ministry, you turn around and you see a wake of hurt people, you must ask yourself if you are being obedient to Jesus when he said, feed my sheep. This is where the church is different than a business. Our pursuit is not in trophies and awards, popularity, or a growing financial account. We will not be remembered for what we gained, but by what we gave. We are sacrificial in our vision. It is easy for churches to get the cart in front of the horse when strategically planning growth. Growth in front of relationship is often unstable and unfulfilling. Be in Christ, be of Christ, and be Christ in your community. The church delivers something that the world does not, a right relationship with our Creator through the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus. This is a gift of eternal value and desperately needed in our world today. Well, let's talk about engaging. To get people to move from a visiting guest status to engaged disciple is the goal of discipleship. And I believe there is a strong correlation between healthy discipleship and attendance growth, but only in that order. The reverse is not necessarily true. It is possible to have attendance growth and not see spiritual maturity and committed service. However, turn that around and you will see a renewed passion and devotion to the purpose of the church. When Jesus directs the 72 disciples in Luke 10, verse 2, he exhorts them to pray to the Lord for more workers to be sent into the ripened fields. The implication is that the more workers we send into the field the more we will harvest. Pastors, we don't do this on our own. Even the lone ranger had Tonto. Church, the harvest is your responsibility too. Invest in it and be active in it. In fact, be tribal in your approach to church. Tribal. You know, create create a nurture uh, a familial Uh, culture that is committed to each other and selfless in their intentions, you may have to teach them how to accomplish this and you will most certainly have to model it. The result, though, is a very attractive church to those needing and seeking somewhere to belong. If we truly believe that Jesus stands and knocks on the heart's doors of the lost, which he says in Revelations 3.20, then it also stands to reason that Jesus seeks to implant those who open that door into a family of believers, so be that church family. And last, this is so important to me, enjoy. It's not enough to simply engage your church. On its own, engaging is simply a business-like model seeking you know, to invite and involve people. That's not community. We must move beyond engage and learn to truly enjoy our people, our church family, to enjoy their uniqueness, enjoy their gifts, enjoy their fellowship. A church that truly enjoys people is very attractive and builds that tribal culture. In an ever-increasing world of virtual relationships, there is an expanding need for true, face-to-face relationships, real relationships that go deep and get personal. God created us to be part of a community. When that is not fulfilled, we begin to look for ways to replace that. Hopefully, in time, society will come to realize the shallow and fantastical nature of virtual relationships. For a culture so connected, we are increasingly lonely and unknown. The church should fill that need. How powerful it is to be known, and more than that, to be celebrated and enjoyed. The church is to provide a family experience in the very best sense. I have watched people come to life reminiscent of Ezekiel's Valley of Dry Bones as they are embraced by a church family. It's a beautiful sight to witness. Well, that concludes chapter 3, and join us next time as we continue in our book, Momentum Church Network.